And we're back with episode three in the That Gut Feeling, doing it for the kids podcast series. Today, I hope you are ready to get your socks knocked off because that is exactly what's going to happen. I am interviewing the amazing Amanda Campbell, who is a motivational speaker, a sports kinesiologist and an MS warrior. I heard Amanda's story on a podcast a year ago now and it just blew my mind. I had to reach out to her and I've had her on as a guest on my Instagram account in the past and we've done a couple of collaborations now and she is just such a beautiful human with such a powerful and inspirational story. Amanda suffered a MS-induced paralysis at the age of 29. She managed to overcome that and so, so much more. I won't go into too much detail. I'll leave that up to Amanda, but you have to stick around for this. This is just the perfect interview to really highlight how much our mindset is pivotal in our health healing journey. And not only that, but we talk about gut health as well and how crucial that has been to Amanda and her recovery. All right, let's go. (laughs) Welcome to That Gut Feeling, a weekly interview podcast that explores just how powerful our bodies are by design and how through taking a holistic approach to our gut health, we can not only drastically change our own health, but the health of those that we love, especially our babies. Hear incredible stories of transformations from everyday people like you and I, and also from a range of health professionals as we educate and inspire parents to take charge of their family's health and keep on doing it for the kids. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Amanda. It's so great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Tony. I'm really excited to be here with you today. And what a lovely introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I love your story. I started this podcast so that I could help educate people on the importance of uh, living a natural, low-tox life, eating well, uh, the importance of a positive mindset. And your story encompasses all of those things. And another thing that I really wanted to share with my listeners is the message of hope, that if people out there are suffering from X, Y, Z, that there are things that they can do. So would you mind sharing with us your story, where you've come from and where you are now? Yes, no, thank you. I would be honoured to share my story. And, yeah, I like, I think we all have a story, but I, I think that um, for me um, my health was um, a huge issue that I had to overcome. So when I was young, uh, in fact, I'm a twin, and my twin sister, Nicole, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when we were 11, and she was quite sick with that, and thankfully she recovered. And then maybe I felt like I needed to go on that path as well. I, wouldn't, um, I don't know how that happened, but then we were in our 20s, and oh, I was actually probably about around, around the age of 19. I first started to experience pins and needles down the left-hand side of my face and fingertips. And so, of course, I had, I thought I should get it checked out. I went to my local GP and he suggested that I might have an MRI because it may be neurological. And so I went and had an MRI and, um, and at age 19 and they found one tiny little spot on my brain 
they didn't really know what it was. They couldn't diagnose anything just with one spot. So I just sort of got, got on with it and just thought, oh, maybe it's nothing. And then five years later, my symptoms of pins and needles returned, but a little bit worse this time. So I had a bit of weakness and pins and needles on the left-hand side of my body, my face, my hand and fingertips now, I think a little bit of my arm and my leg. And so I went and had another MRI and um, I had my results analysed by a neurologist this time. And he found a couple of lesions on my brain. And at age 24, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And it was a big shock to me. I did not expect it. I went into that appointment thinking, again, it would just be nothing and I was fine. Um, it's really interesting what you think of immediately in those moments of what matters. And, you know, the first thing I said to doctor, my doctor um, was, um, you know, can I have a family? Is this going to impact me being able to have kids? Um, and, you know, he was a great doctor and he said, you know, in fact, many people go on to live very um, happy and healthy lives living with MS. Yes, it, it is a degenerative disease. Sometimes it can go the other way. We don't have all the answers to that. There is medication that can slow down the progression. But I was just so overwhelmed. I, I just ran off in the other room and I bawled my eyes out. Mm. And it was really um, tough to take at age 24. Um, and so from that moment on, I think I started to focus all of my energy on what I didn't want and what I was scared of, because that's what we do when we're stressed. We can become more rigid. We become more closed minded. We, you know, get stuck in our heads. We, you know, can get stuck thinking about the past or overanalyzing the future. And we go into worry mode, you know, mm -hmm. when you just feel like you're on that hamster wheel. And so I didn't feel safe and, you know, there was no guarantee of how my life was going to play out. And so you know, what we believe is what matters and our thoughts and our mindset is so connected to our bodies. And the more I felt frightened about my future and I didn't, I stopped believing in myself. I lost a lot of confidence and self-esteem and value. And, um, you know, I, my mum said, you lost the spring in your stride, you know, mm. and, and I felt it. I really felt it. And, and I suffered for a little while there and I did everything I could to distract myself from feeling that way, whether it was being really busy at work. I mean, I'm, I'm a really hard worker. I've always been very driven. And I think sometimes that's also been an escape for me mm -hmm. to, you know, run away from difficult emotions. So, and, you know, I was in my 20s, so I went out a lot, anything just to distract myself. So I wasn't really looking after myself either. Mm -hmm. And so five years later, my worst fears were realized and the entire left-hand side of my body became paralyzed at age 29. So my face dropped, my arm, hip, leg and foot just completely stopped working on the left-hand side of my body. And it took a slow, cruel 10 days. It was January. Um, it was hot. It was summer. I didn't realize that you shouldn't put yourself in a spa when <laughs> you have MS symptoms because mm. it makes them worse. Okay. The heat, um, and, you know, but I had didn't ha had I didn't have to deal with MS yet. I, I really I was diagnosed. I had a few hiccups. I'd never been to hospital. I I, I wasn't on any treatment at that stage, um, and I was lucky where my symptoms or any relapses I had were were years apart. So at age twenty nine, I had a massive blow and. I um, was checked into hospital um, and um, 
So that was 2009 when I was 29. In January, I was checked into hospital and I knew going into hospital that I wasn't going to be leaving anytime soon. And I had three days of steroids to reduce the inflammation in my brain. And my new lesion was on the right-hand side of my brain, which controlled the the motor school area of much of the left-hand side of my body. So really, you you want your lesions to be in areas that are not motor skill. Um, And because MS is a disease of the brain and the spinal cord and the central nervous system, it's in control of so much. So at any time, you know, you can go blind, you can stop swallowing, you can have pins and needles, you can have bladder and bowel issues, you know, gut issues are a huge thing I had to overcome. Um, You know, after that attack of paralysis, I had a new symptom of bladder frequency and urgency. Fatigue is also a common symptom, cognitive changes, anxiety and depression. So your brain is in control of so much. Mm -hmm. And so I had a couple of days of steroids um, to reduce the inflammation in my brain, but I still couldn't move. And so they decided to extend that to five days, but I wasn't responding to treatment. But luckily I was in a wonderful hospital at Epworth, Richmond, and they transferred me to their rehabilitation centre where I would live for two months. And I remember going into this shared room And I was in this room with this gorgeous, really young girl who had just suffered a stroke and lost her voice. Um, And there was just so many stories, so much suffering. And because I was in the rehab centre three times a day, I would be with physios and they would try and get me moving again. I was surrounded by car accidents, people with pins holding their neck together and back. Mm. And it was just so full on Mm -hmm. and it really changed my perspective of what mattered to me and what was really important and that was a huge rock bottom moment for me where I just shed and died (laughs) you know it was almost like I had to die the old Amanda died and then I had to create a whole new version of myself and that's why I'm so passionate about flexibility and why Ben Like Bamboo is all about mastering flexibility because when we can come out of survival that survival stressful state where we're often really and stuck in the past or overanalyzing the future. We're not problem solving uh, well. Our brain integration is out. We're not solution focused and we're too rigid to see things with fresh eyes and new perspectives. So, um, you know, it really put me back in the moment. Mm-hmm. And when I was in hospital, all I could think about was right now, how do I deal with this exercise to get my finger moving? How do I get my toe moving, let alone the, my, my leg and you know, my, my mobility. I couldn't wash, wash, walk or feed myself and I couldn't um, get dressed without help. I couldn't use a phone with two hands. I, I, we didn't have iPhones back then, so I switched off my phone <coughs> for a couple of months. And that I would also have been nice. was just going, <laughs> it was, it was. I just, I just, all I could do was think about, present moment yeah and that really helped me um and little did i know after all the research i've done now is what i was actually doing was i was maximizing repair because when we're more focused in the moment our body sort of changes its mind about how stressed it is because when you're in the moment it's like your brain fires signals of oh i'm safe Mm -hmm. and that's how we can maximize growth and repair signals rather than survival and stress adrenaline and cortisol thinking about things in the future that we can't control and that are stressful but they're not even happening yet and feeling so out of control my body was absolutely perceiving threat Mm. and so the only way I could change my mind and what my body was doing and how it was recovering so I wasn't moving I wasn't responding to treatment and I knew that I had something had to change Mm -hmm. something about my 
self, my mindset, my thoughts, my attitude, something had to change. And when I was newly diagnosed, I, I focused on what I didn't want and what I was scared of that, that what I was scared of that might happen, mm-hmm. that I might end up disabled, bedridden or worse. And so I went out later and I worked harder and I distracted myself. And I, I was on a destructive path and it led to me making my worst fears come true. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I, I was in hospital and I was you know, learning these exercises. And I remember one of my first rehab sessions, I was given these exercises just to make my left hand open and close, just trying to do that. And I was crying because it was so hard. And it was in that moment I knew I had a choice. I, I could either give up or I had to change my mind and my approach about what I believed could be possible mm-hmm. to get <clears throat> different results. Now, that's hard to do, mm-hmm. particularly you know, you think, oh, my God, well, what if it doesn't happen? And I remember my gorgeous cousin came and visited me into hospital and she gave me this black, blank, really stunning journal. It's funny that I just thought of that then because it was this glitter, gorgeous journal and I was too scared to write in it because what if I entertained how dark my thoughts were at that time of how frightened I was? Mm. It was too confronting. So I never wrote in it and I just started writing in that journal because I was like, you know what? It's such a beautiful journal. I still kept it. It was 11 years ago and I've just actually started using it as my new journal. I know, how cool is that? So, um, yeah, and so... Nothing was happening. I remember many days and nights just sitting there in four white walls, spending a lot of time alone, you know, just contemplating my future and being permanently disabled from age 29 and what I wasn't going to be able to achieve, um, not living a normal life, what, what that meant. And it was, it was a huge grief. It was a huge loss. And, and I had, it helped me to reset who I was um, and what I wanted just how I approached life and how I thought about things. And then, you know, whilst there was much time alone, I have wonderful girlfriends and family that visited me many times. And there was one uh, night that a bunch of my girlfriends came and put me in my wheelchair and they wheeled me across the road to a restaurant. And we all had dinner together. And for a couple of hours, I forgot about how hard everything was. And we just laughed and laughed and had fun together. And we were just in the moment. And something very special happened that night. I felt a jolt in my brain and I thought I was just feeling elated with joy and happiness. And I was, I was so happy that I was experiencing joy in, in such a way that I felt like it was absorbing in all of my cells. Cause you know, the power of polarity, when you go through such a difficult time, sometimes, you know, when you come out of that, you can be grateful just for the little things, which we're all experiencing now in 2020 and what we've all been through mm. is just being able to go out for dinner and, and just be together where it was simply brought in, brought so much joy and, that's exactly how I felt back then. Um, and the power of joy um, is very healing. And, and I know that now because I came back to my room and my toe moved for the first time on my paralyzed foot. And it was in that moment, yeah, I've, something dramatically changed within me because I found hope. I then started to focus and channel my energy differently, started to focus on what I wanted instead of what I didn't want because now I saw hope and it I had more courage to put myself out there and push myself more. So I was first in at physio, last to leave. I, I knew what I had to do and I started to believe that it could be possible. Mm. And what we believe is what matters and what we believe is connected to those two pathways will predominantly fire, whether we're in survival and stress, firing adrenaline and cortisol, more inflammation, more degeneration, 
or if your body decides, no, 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 we don't need to prioritise survival, we're going to prioritise growth and repair instead where we can fire human growth hormone for repair, serotonin and dopamine for happiness, mood and the reward system. So when I shifted my focus, my body started to repair faster and um, within six weeks I... Um, started to gain more mobility back. I first started to learn how to crawl again. I started to learn how to put pegs into holes. Um, I had to learn how to smile again because my left face was dropped. And um, and I walked um, again. And the first moment I walked on my own, it was just profound. And I mm. remember... I oh, still well up thinking about it. I remember one of my closest friends was in the corner watching because she rocked up to visit me and she just saw that moment with my physio and it was really, really, really moving. And then I ran within six weeks as well because I was working with Gavin Williams, a neurophysiotherapist who's very famous for helping people not only just walk again but run again with his wonderful program. And I just so happened to fall into the right environment around the right people with that right mindset shift and and very lucky, relapsing, remitting MS, so not progressive, still in the earlier stages of MS. I got onto it uh, um, quickly, like if whether you have a stroke or an MS relapse of paralysis, you need to um, get onto physiotherapy very quickly to improve your chances of walking again. So it was just all the right ingredients. And, um, and then I, after I, I walked again, I was still learning how to use my cutlery with two hands and still, and then after being in hospital and rehab for so, so many months and I came home and I was so grateful to be mobile again, but it was so strange to be back into the community and society. And, and then I thought, okay, well, I felt quite depressed, even mm-hmm. though I was so happy that I was walking again. Uh, different things mattered to me. I was a different person now and I was in the same house, same social group, same uh, world, but I saw everything differently. So I had to recreate a whole new version of myself in my mind, in my body and my life. And so I started to research and I came across nutrition because although I was walking again, I still was suffering from frequency and urgency in my bladder. I had um, stomach issues. My gut health wasn't okay yet I was on lots of medication that I had to recover from so um, I found the power of nutrition through Dr Terry Walls and she's a neurologist who also has MS that has progressive MS much worse than mine and she was in a wheelchair and disabled for for many years and drugs weren't working for her so she had to find another way and she researched what foods would maximize repair so I started her food program And very quickly, my MS symptoms started to disappear as well. I was running every day and I was like, wow, there's something in this. Mm. And then one of my best friends reminded me that, you know, I loved, I've always naturally loved mindset and uh, the power of connection and, and energy. And because a kinesiologist actually forgot to mention that part as well is I take a very balanced approach. So whilst I have, I had neurophysiotherapists um, in hospital working on me at the same time uh, I had a family friend coming to hospital who was who's an applied kinesiologist and he worked on my muscles helping to fire up the pathways every few days and it was when he started to work on me the physios would say whoa you know, because mm-hmm. they predicted I would never walk again. Mm-hmm. And then they started to see the results and, and they said, oh, you're repairing really fast. And I said, oh, I've been doing kinesiology as well. And, and so I studied kinesiology because I saw the power of what it could do and I wanted to understand how the body worked and my mobility and the structure of my body. 
And that taught me how, um, how we think and feel and what we believe and our emotions are truly connected to our muscles and our body um, and disease and inflammation and degeneration. And, um, and I learned that, you know, Chinese medicine, a whole new language took me a couple of years to do that. And it was the best thing I ever did because it really has been the only successful tool I've found that has helped me get down into the deep subconscious aspects of my mind where I might not be believing in myself or what is possible for me. And that becomes in conflict with our goals. And I call mm. that the inner conflict is when you want something and that's not enough to make it happen, you have to believe in yourself and what's possible for you. But when we're young and um, things happen in our lives. Um, we hold on to these ideas of something we might have learned from our parents or from a traumatic event growing up, and we we're not malleable or flexible enough, or we haven't learned to do that yet. Where we learn to change our minds about yeah. what we're believing. Can and I just ask a stuff. question on that? Sorry to interrupt. With yeah. the whole believing thing, it's something that you know a huge driver for me for sharing this information, this podcast is to get people to believe that there are things out there that they can do. And a lot of the time I'm coming across people and I'm saying, oh, you know, you can try this or you can try that. And how do we get people to believe? Where do you start with your clients? It's um, you've got to get down into the subconscious because well, sometimes if what we're believing is negative or limiting or uncomfortable and painful, we'll suppress it. And so Chinese medicine and the power of kinesiology connects our muscles to our nervous system and also uh, emotional parts of the body. So, for example, the neck and the upper shoulders are related to the spleen stomach meridian mm -hmm. and, um, and the muscles of the neck. So typically when we're – so the, the emotions of um, over-worry, obsessive thoughts are connected to that meridian as well. So if you're in your head and you're overthinking something, you typically might have a sore neck and shoulders as well, whereas the lower back and the muscles there are connected to the large intestine meridian, which is all about letting go and, and, and grief in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going through sadness or grief or you're not letting go of something, you might also experience physicality and in, in, in pain in your lower back. So um, if – you want to get to the bottom of what you're believing. Um, you, 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 it'll also play out in what you're attracting. So we always want to make our beliefs true. So if you're attracting a certain type of guy or a girl in your life or, you know, here's an example. So um, person A wakes up and they're late to work and they lose their keys. Um, and this is how you know, our reactions are a mirror image of what, what we're believing. And let's say person A is not going through you know, they're going through a difficult time in their life. They're sort of believing nothing really works out for me. You know, we've all been there. We've all had days like that where we feel like the world's against us. Things are happening to us rather than for us. And you think, oh, nothing's really working out for me. And you lose your keys and you're late to work and you might respond like this. Oh, of course I lost my keys. Not another thing today. Great, right? Mm -hmm. So that would um, be, um, that would expose a belief of nothing really works out for me, that reaction. Whereas person B might wake up and they're feeling like, no, things are happening for me. They're, they're more elevated in their mindset. They, they understand that things are happening for them, not to them, and they're not in that reactive victim state. So they might lose their keys and this is how they might react if they're late to work. Oh, 
bugger, I lost my keys. Oh, next. It's not going to get under their skin. They're not going to fully react. They're going to be more solution focused and they'll just move on. So mm. that's another way of exposing what you're believing. And, and it can be really hard. Sometimes it serves us to believe the negative things. Cause if you're have, if you have a fear of criticism and you want to hide behind and keep yourself small, it's going to suit you to believe the negative. Mm-hmm. So you have to really want to overcome it, mm-hmm. to change what you're, what you're believing. Now, in my instance, I had no choice but to succeed. It was either walk or don't. Mm-hmm. So, of course, and it maybe took for me to become paralyzed for me to really wake up because I wasn't listening. And when you're not listening, your body, I believe the body speaks to us through physical symptoms. And for me, I couldn't slow down. I was just overworking, overworking, do, 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 go, 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 external stimulation, external validation. And I didn't know how to hold my own inner anchor within myself so that despite external chaos, I could still feel consistently warm and happy and connected within just like a thermostat. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, that's the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to feel connected within yourself. Um, and then there's an alignment of your goals with what you're believing. When there's an alignment there, you can create it. It's easier to manifest. And it also creates more harmony in the body where we're promoting growth and repair. Mm, that's so interesting. And I, before I get too far down the track, I want to go back to Dr. Terry Walls, was it? Can you, yeah. pre- can you spell her last name for anyone that might be listening that wants to look up her work? Yes. Yeah, W-A-H-L-S. And all the doctors that I've researched are on my website under resources, okay. um, benlikebamboo.com. Yeah, I think it's really important for everybody to do their research. So her, Dr. Terry Walls, is um, Professor Jelinek in Australia. Um, Swank, is, uh, back in the day, he was one of the first to research um, an MS diet. Um, there's also McDougall. Um, and um, a new, latest, and you'd love this one. We, I think we spoke about this on my podcast, The Microbiome Diet by Robin Chutkan mm-hmm. is also another really good doctor that um, talks about gut health and what foods to maximise um, for repair. Yeah. So you mentioned about your digestive system being completely out of whack and in light of the whole that gut feeling, would you mind sharing with us the steps that you mm. took to improve your gut health and what you yeah. found really worked for you? Yeah, I think when we're stressed, you know, it really impacts our gut health um, and we can have a lot of damage there from our emotions, our thoughts, um, you know, eating too too many processed foods, um, bad fats, sugar, um, but really in our hormones change, you know, but it's so, in, it's all about our thoughts and how stressed we are. Um, and so when I learned these, um, what foods I needed to maximize, you know, it was a lot of fruits and <laughs> fruits and vegetables nuts and seeds um and my body my stomach wasn't ready to absorb that yet because there was so much damage there from the medications i was on so i had to learn (coughs) dr terry walls um her thing is nine cups of green leafy vegetables sorry it's nine cups in total but then there's three cups of green leafy vegetables three cups of deeply colored fruits and vegetables and then three cups of sulfur rich foods are the foods that she focuses on to maximize repair mm-hmm. um and so some of these foods rich in color for example are rich in lectins and you know there's the the deeply colored foods um uh what, what am i thinking of dark nightshades so some you know and sulfur these are all foods that can also some of us don't um, tolerate well until we've healed the lining of our gut so i had to take it really slowly i had to first introduce foods that weren't um uh, an allergy for me and and 
And then I had to slowly build up the amount of nutrients and, and, and the, and the amount of food that she wanted me to eat as well. So um, I just had to do it slowly and progressively. And the more I started eating good fats and quality fruits and vegetables and um, berries was also part of the program, lots of hydration. I, I inevitably reduced the bad foods. So sugar we often eat when we're feeling down, it brings us up. Um, and if you really want to reduce sugar in your diet, you know, eating good fats is a great way of reducing those cravings. Um, but I started to feel so good within my mind and then I was fueling my body so that it could, you know, all the cofactors that requ were required to fire growth and repair in my system and I felt it and I just had more energy and I could think and I started to study at that stage. So, you know, that was really beneficial for my brain. Um, and then my symptoms subsiding was just a game changer. Like there were some symptoms that kept me bedridden and um, mm. it was it was enormous. So for me, because my symptoms were so physical, maybe I, I noticed the difference in when my gut started to heal and I started to absorb all of my nutrients better. It, I really noticed it in my in my mind and body profoundly. Okay. And so where are you at? today in relation to your MS and your MS symptoms and also what uh, what sort of principles do you like you're a very very busy woman so obviously there's quite a lot of stress in your life how do you deal with that how do you keep everything to a point where you're not overwhelming yourself I think when I was younger, I was still trying to be good enough and be enough and external validation. So it was all about trying to um, feel more powerful within me. Whereas now as I'm getting older, whilst of course, I'm still trying to feel good enough, I'm a normal human being. It's more about how can I be of service? Mm -hmm. And I feel so deeply fulfilled within myself. And um, thankfully, I've celebrated 11 years of clear health and clear scans and every year just keeps getting better and better i rarely experience symptoms anymore i think i'm energized by my love and passion for what i do how i've healed myself and how now i can share that with others and so i'm really energized by that and i'm not i've got a mantra up on my wall where it says everything to give and nothing to prove so I think that changes my stress levels. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us more about what it is that you do with Ben Like Bamboo? Yeah, Ben Like Bamboo is all about mastering flexibility to, to enable change because every day we go through change in our lives. But sometimes we go through bigger change, like when I was 24 and I was diagnosed with MS. And then at age 29, I you know, was paralysed. That was another massive change. Sometimes we have a, an ending of a relationship or a divorce or you know, a business starting or ending. There's many one bigger changes away. that come. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Death, absolutely. So um, I find if I'm... Um, maintaining that inner thermostat within me, you know, building that inner anchor within, just like the analogy of a tree that is anchored in the roots, you know, that's how it can be flexible. And um, it's, I have pillars of health, of mindset, nutrition, movement and connection. And so every day I'm doing that, whether it's meditating, journaling, eating well, reading more books, researching for the love of it, <laughs> connecting with my family and friends, um, having enough time for myself. You know, I'm 40 now, so I'm on um, a, a new journey in a new chapter and 
Um, and I love my own company now. Whereas, you know, as a twin and also an extrovert, I've, I'm always, I love the company of other people, but I've really grown a lot on my journey. And um, I find that the more time I spend within myself and just trying to be in the moment during the day as much as I can, the happier and healthier I am. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you so much for jumping on today and sharing your wisdom, Amanda. Where can my listeners find you? Um, you can find me on uh, my website, amandacampbell.com.au. Okay. And on Facebook um, and, and Instagram? Yeah. And so Ben Like Bamboo. So, um, and I have a website, benlikebamboo.com as well, but you can find anything on both websites. So Amanda Campbell is me, the speaker, and I also do, um, um, so I'm all about resilience. So I do resilience programs for businesses. And then I have my private practice um, and I see clients one-on-one -on -one there and, you know, obviously virtually through yeah. um, the year we've just had. Um, and soon my book will be out next year oh, called exciting. Ben Like Bamboo as well. So I know. So you'll find my um, all my social media handles on the websites, but if you want to jump on Instagram or Facebook, just look for Ben Like Bamboo. And I will pop all of those links in the show notes as well. So thank you once again for jumping on. Is there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave the listeners with or anything else you'd like to share? What we believe is truly what matters and, um, you know, self-esteem and uh, confidence, um, I, I cannot strength, um, I cannot say enough how important it is for us to work on that within ourselves. And the more you can believe in yourself and what can be possible for you, the more you can make it happen and the healthier you'll be. Beautiful. All right. Thanks once again, Amanda. I really appreciate everything. Thanks for having me. Wow, wow, wow. Look at your feet and tell me that your socks are not knocked off. How good was that episode? And they're all that good, guys. The guests that I have been interviewing for this podcast all have incredible stories or all have incredible knowledge. It's just mind-blowing. And how beautiful is Amanda. She is just such an incredible soul and I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. She's so inspirational and I just can't thank you enough, Amanda, for coming on and thank you to you for tuning in and listening. I hope you learned something. I hope you've been inspired to, you know, shift that mindset and really take charge of your health and your life and know that with a bit of flexibility and resilience, we can take on the world. <laughs> All right, guys, that is me done for another week. Please remember to like, share, comment, all of the things to get this information out there into the ears of those that really need to hear it. Thanks again for tuning in. This is your gut health bestie signing out. Stay awesome. Keep trusting that gut feeling of yours. And remember, let's keep on doing it for the kids. Until next time. Views and opinions expressed by the host and guests of That Gut Feeling Doing It For The Kids podcast series are for published entertainment purposes only and are not intended as a diagnosis, treatment, or as a substitute for professional medical advice and treatment. Please consult a physician or other healthcare professional for your specific healthcare and or medical needs or concerns. Reproduction, copying, or redistribution of the Doing It For The Kids podcast without the express written consent of That Gut Feeling is prohibited.